Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to AgriTalk Podcast with me, Philip Keitan. Today we are talking about aquaculture and with me is uh, Julia Muyela, who is an Associate Director at uh, Lattice. Welcome, uh, Julie. Thank you very much, Philip. Uh, tell us a little bit about aquaculture. What is it exactly? So aquaculture basically means rearing of aquatic animals or aquatic plants. So um, in the context of lattice, we basically focus on fish farming. Um, so we don't necessarily look at the entire value chain as at now. And uh, just to just to take a bit of a step back and let you know what else uh, lattice is and what, what I do at lattice, um, I'm, I'm the head of aquaculture and agribusiness. So no, that's that's a big... Well, but basically what we do is um, is we provide advisory services um, along the, the aquaculture value chain. So ranging from aquaculture value chain development to aquaculture financial management, training, to social and economic uh, development um, aspects of aquaculture, to environmental aspects of aquaculture. So just providing advisory services around that, providing research work on aquaculture within Kenya and in East Africa. Okay. You talked about aquaculture being the practice of uh, fish farming. Which are the common uh, fish out there that uh, are farmed in Kenya? So just uh, looking at uh, two types, basically. So that's the tilapia, which uh, forms around 80% of the fish within Kenya. And then there is a, a catfish. So, in as much as uh, tilapia is 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 largely consumed as compared to catfish, its production is actually way way more expensive than catfish. So that's uh, that's we can we can talk about that as we proceed. Okay, let's just go straight to that. Uh, why why is the production of catfish of tilapia that expensive? So tilapia, we always consider tilapia as a very sensitive animal. It uh, requires a lot of care during its uh, growth and uh, looking at its care from a temperature perspective is it growing in the right temperature is it growing in the right does the water have the right oxygen level is the ph in the water right if these things are not ideal are you feeding it the right kind of feed so if all this is not taken into consideration fish just decide they're not going to grow and then that stands the production. And so when you look at the amount of care that a farmer needs to, to give uh, tilapia, vis-a-vis how much care needs to be given to catfish, because catfish, you know, they're not very sensitive to the, to the temperature, to the environment and what have you. Um, it makes the production, the cost of production higher than the cost of production for catfish. Okay. So having said that, if let's say I want to start uh, a fish uh, venture, what do I need to know? What do I? Where do I need to start from? So that's a good question because I, I think what what we've been uh, um, grappling with within the sector is uh, the aspect of people not thinking about um, aquaculture as as a commercially viable business. So just similar to any other business that we have, we need to think about this from a business perspective. 
So one of the th- first things then, uh, you know, as a prospective fish farmer that you need to think about is what's what's going to be your business model? What's the reason for you undertaking this business? You know, who is your target market? Who are your customers? Where are you going to get the capital from? Where are you going to raise the money from? Because you need initial capital, you know, to set up, be it cages, be it ponds, be it uh, the recirculation aquaculture system, RAS, which is, is capital intensive. What is the environment? Where are you going to be setting up your farm? You know, you can't just wake up today and say, I'm going to put up farm in a, um, tilapia farm in a cold place. You know, they're not going to thrive. So things like that, you know, what is the access to water wherever you are when you want to set up a, a fish farm? Because if, you're, if your source of water is scarce, then it's going to affect your production. Your fish is going to die. Um, what What is your, when you look at the cost, the initial cost vis-a-vis the financing, are you able to even do a financial model to assess whether this is going to give you any return on your investment or not? So it's, it's basically, just to sum it up, it's more about thinking about it from a business perspective and then adding the technical elements of, of aquaculture within it. Okay. Having, uh, you, you, you've, see, you've told us a lot of stuff, what needs to go into this before even starting it. Mm-hmm. Where do I get all this information as a, as a novice to to aquaculture? That's a very good question because as is right now, um, we have we have uh, higher learning institutions that uh, that uh, provide aquaculture training, but it's very theoretical. And so, over the last uh, eight or so odd years, what we've realized in the market is there is a huge gap in human scale capital. And so we, we as Lattice and uh, together with uh, a consortium of 19 Dutch and Kenyan companies um, set up Foodtech Africa, which at its tail end then resulted to us setting up an aquaculture academy where all this information you'd actually be able to get if you were to train to be trained with us. So, you know, in, 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 in case uh, there is someone out there like you, Philip, who who is really keen on, on, on taking up uh, aqua aqua farming, um, then, you know, you, you could reach out to us at uh, www.foodtechafrica.com slash aquaculturacademy. And we'll be able to give you the information with regards to the kind of training that we'd be able to share with you, and it's more vocational, practical training. Mm-hmm. So in as much as there's theory, uh, we are heavily focusing on the vocational, practical training because we do not want you to leave and then go back to your farm or start a, a fish farm and you have no idea how to measure water quality, how to measure your pH, how to measure oxygen, how to even assess the right um, type of fingerlings that you want to to stock. Okay. Uh, you've talked about uh, the market, and for any business, the market is king. So, how is the fish market at the moment uh, in this country? So, in my opinion, I don't believe it's well structured, and uh, and that's why you know, just thinking about the future of aquaculture. We really need to think holistically. We need to think about it from an ecosystem perspective. Um, if we were to come in and provide training, you know, which would then result to a particular farmer's production going up, and then they're not able to access market, they're not able to sell the fish at the right time. And fish does not have a very long shelf life, so they, they tend to, to get spoiled really fast. If we were to just focus on the on the first part of the production without thinking about the market side of it, 
then we would be failing the sector. And so it's more about thinking about it from a holistic perspective. What, who are the off-takers? You know, um, how can we link them to the farmers? So not just linking them to the large-scale farmers, but also linking them to the small-scale farmers. What are the requirements? What do they need? And how do we ensure that we are not exploiting the farmers by, you know, taking up their products, you know, the, the off-takers taking up their products and not giving them the ideal price that they need to be selling at. So it's more about thinking about aquaculture from a holistic perspective with marketing being at the tail end. Um, for, for, for me, we're starting a, a fish farm. Uh, let's say I've come to Lattice for, for training. Uh, where do I get my, my fingerlings or what do I need to look at when I'm going to source my fingerlings? So, very good question, Philip. And uh, we've been looking at this, you know, uh, with the strategic partners that we are we are getting in, into partnership with. Uh, this is a discussion that we've had for the last several months in terms of figuring out in order for this to work, in order for our trainees to be successful, in order for them to actually be confident that, you know, I'm thinking about my business from a commercially viable, uh, a commercially viable and sustainable perspective, then we need to be able to engage them um, to to partner with um, with with the uh, what is it called um, uh, the the various players within the ecosystem, right? So, for example, um, you're thinking about you know uh, the the feed suppliers. Who are the ideal feed suppliers? So within Foodtech Africa, we actually, as part of the 19 partners that we have. One of our partners is Unga, and, and Unga has quality feed, right? Um, when you're thinking about uh, fingerlings, one of our partners is Kamuthanga, and Kamuthanga provides fingerlings, both for catfish and for, for, for tilapia. So with the network that we have as, as, as Lattice and with the network that Aquaculture Academy is going to have, we would be able to provide a linkage to to the various suppliers of feed and the various suppliers of fingerlings to make sure that you know if you have the financing if you have the available capital then you're able to kick off the business um, at a very high notch and making sure that you have quality within your production system okay uh, in every in any agricultural venture um, they've always uh, said in Kenya the cost of production is always the uh, what breaks the camel's back Mm-hmm. So what do I need to know to bring my cost of production down? So, I mean, at the, at the beginning of, of your farming, your, your cost of production is going to be high, right? And, and thinking about it from, uh, you know, setup. So if you're a cage farmer, you need to, you know, set up the cages. You need to buy the initial stock, the initial seeds for, for you to stock. If you're a pond farmer, you need to construct the ponds. If you're a ras farmer, that's even high more more expensive right and um, one of the ways that we could actually reduce on the cost is by making sure that whatever whatever is getting into your business is of quality so we always say you know quality sometimes people have this perception that quality is expensive but cheap is expensive in the long run because let's take for example um you 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 you've you've gotten feed from you know someone down the road you know a supplier down the road it's not certified seed feed sorry it's not 
it's not feed that you know when you look at the at the growth of your of your fish you realize the growth is actually stunted you're feeding them on a regular basis but the growth is actually stunted and that means you're not giving them the right quality so when you're thinking about cost it's not just about the price that you're putting in it's also about the output right when you're matching your cost and your output that's how you need to think about it right so let's invest let's let's put in quality feeds let's give our fish quality feeds let's give our fish quality seeds in terms of the beginning of the of the whole uh, production cycle and we'll be able to generate a good return at the end of the day and then also thinking about you know labor cost of labor if you have um, farm staff that are not trained <laughs> you can incur a huge loss take for example you know you've you've hired this farm manager who has no idea um, you know how to how to monitor you know the the temperature and everything around water your fish are going to die or the the growth is going to be stunted so you need to invest in the right skills and as a result of investing in the right skills and people think you know the right skill is expensive no ultimately it's cheap for you because of the output that you're going to get so it's always important for us as business you know when you're thinking about a business and and a commercially viable business in that case don't just think about what is coming in think about what is what you're getting out of it you know when you're comparing your cost versus your revenue how 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 is it comparable if your costs are way higher than how much you're getting then you have to you know take a step back and figure out you know really look at each of the cost lines and assess what is it that i am spending a lot of money on should i be spending all this money on this and if not what are the alternatives then that is how you're able to and you can only do that when you when you have your record keeping intact okay mm-hmm. talking of record keeping do i need to get someone else uh, an expert in this field to come once in a while and look at my records look at what i do and advise me i believe if if you do not have the skill or within your farm then it's important for you to do that because uh you know you might think that you're actually uh, recording the right like how do you know um that you're actually recording the right data if you don't have the technical capability right how do you know how are you able to compare your current production and match it to your to your revenue and say okay this is where i'm actually bleeding in terms of costs and these are the things that i need to do to up my revenue from a sales perspective so it it is recommended that you know once in a while and especially it's more from a consultancy perspective and and we do offer that you know uh, at aquaculture academy where you would then it's more about having us someone else look at it and say okay these are my records am i first of all am i keeping the right data because you might be keeping records but you're not keeping the right data am i keeping the right data um what what do i need to take this business to the next level when i look at your your reports if when i look at your records when i compare it to what is on the ground i should be able to provide you with an advice on what what are the things that you need to do moving forward to make it a commercially viable business okay having said all that um they say information is power uh-huh. um as a country do you think we have enough information out there for anyone who would want to start this kind of business to just access this information and learn a few things on his own at the beginning you know that's a that's a good question philip because uh 
Um, so so let me let me let me let me let me break it down into two 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 segments, right? So take financial institutions for example. You know, you have the dairy farms, you have tea farmers, you have coffee farmers. Do they have any challenges with accessing finance? Not as much as aqua farmers. And why? We did a we did a survey uh, a few months uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, you know just asking the financial institutions, not even farmers, but financial institutions, why are you not able to provide enough financing to to the aqua farmers? And the one of the key reasons that they actually gave was they don't have enough information to be able to assess whether a business is is viable or not. Right. So and it comes down to record keeping, but also comes down to how much information do we have in the public to actually enable investors come into this sector and say, this is a sector that I can actually invest in. This is a sector that I'm actually willing to to bet on and say, I will put in this money because I know that we are able to generate this amount of return. So lack of information is is really is is actually hurting is one of the reasons that the sector is not growing as far as fast as it should be. So so what do we need to know to um, improve on this? You know, there's uh, it's that's a good question because there's uh, there's there's several players within the market within the sector. And um, just a couple of months ago, um, I, I attended a convention, um, an aqua convention in Kisumu. And one of the things that came out from that convention where there were several players, you know, those who are players within the market. So not, not farmers, not just farmers, but you had funders, you had advisory farms, you know, you had, you know, the BMUs, the beach management unit. You had um, the AAK, which is the Association, Aquaculture Association of Kenya. You had the Cage uh, Fish Farmers Association of Kenya. And one of the things that came out of that was the fact that people are doing their own things. You know, you're, you're, you're providing a service in this one area and I'm providing a service in this area and I'm providing. But there is no convening of, of all that information, you know. And um, I, I believe one of the funders right now, I, I, just, I forget the name, but uh, um, is, is working with Kemfrey and uh, one other institution to, to make sure that the, the data that we have in aquaculture is actually all consolidated and put in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a structure and a system where people would be able to access it going forward. So it's still a long way to go, but at least we are hopeful that, you know, going forward we should be able to access that information rather than, you know, you have your lattice doing something and having a report on something which cannot be shared by someone else who would be able to benefit from that information. Okay. Um, also, as a country, um, we've always grown up knowing fish is a preserve for a particular part of, of this country. Um, do you think um, at the moment... That is still the case. And um, what do we need to to do to encourage these other communities to also em- embrace uh, fish as a diet? Yeah. So um, I, I, I feel we, we have made good progress um, as a result of the Eat More Fish campaign that's been running for years and years. Um, we, we've gotten to a place where that is actually that mind there's a mind shift on that right so where we we actually are no longer considering fish as as a particular society's dish um you know you can go to kiambu right now and within a one kilometer radius you'd be able to find at least 10 women selling fish 
So that was pre-COVID. Hopefully that's still going on. But that's an observation we made pre-COVID. Um, and that is that that previously wasn't the case. You know, you would find that in, in, in you know, Western and whatever, but not in Kiambu or something like that. So, so the Eat More Fish campaign that is running, that has been running for several years now, has actually resulted to that culture. You know, there's a way that we're looking at fish as not just a culture dish, but more as a healthy dish. So look, because fish has a huge um, benefit from our, it's a protein, but it's a protein, it's a low fat protein. It has high amino acids, like the, the, the benefits, it's flavorful. The benefits of fish are endless. And so it's more of having that mind, mind shift from, okay, this is no longer a cultural dish, but this is a healthy dish that we need to think about consuming. Um, for us to to be healthy individuals within the society, um, they say also eating fish is is an art. <laughs> yeah, it's an really art like that some of us haven't yet uh, really um, uh, mastered. I don't know. I, I think it's it's one of those things that you you will you will learn as you're watching other people eat. I guess, you know, like I see people eating like the head of the fish, and I, I wonder how how are you able to carve out the little meat from the head, and and just you know separate that from everything. Or so yeah, it's 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 a it's an art that needs to be mastered okay. with years of experience of eating it. <laughs> okay. okay, um, again, um. In Kenya, um, there are a lot of young people out there who mm-hmm. don't have jobs. And they are walking around saying there are no jobs. So how can we encourage some of these young people to go back to the village? Because most of them have come from the villages. Uh, they've cleared uh, campus. They've not gotten a white-collar job. What do we need to do as a country to encourage them? To yeah. That there is an opportunity here that you are overlooking. So let me share with you some statistics as a way of answering that question. FAO did a study and found out that uh, Kenya's capacity in terms of land and in terms of, of, of uh, um, you know, an area for fishing is around 1.4 million hectares of land for fishing. And when I convert that to production, it's, it's over 11 million metric tons of production. Right? How much of that have we actually been able to produce to date? And when I convert that to money, it's over 750 billion shillings worth of invest, worth, worth of, um, of, of, of revenue as a result of that production. We are nowhere near <laughs> meeting that production capacity. And it's not that there is no, you know, there's land, there's availability, but it's just the mind shift. It's, it's, it's realizing that... Uh, this is this cannot be a hobby anymore. You know, so many people have tried it and failed because you're going in and thinking, oh, you know what? I'm just going to buy seedlings here and I'm going to get seeds, um, feeds from this particular company. I'm going to dig up an earthen pond and I'm going to put them all there. And, you know, after a couple of months, I will come and harvest my fish. That's not how it works. So in as much as there is that um, availability in terms of the space to be a farmer, there needs to be that enlightenment of this is how you need to do it. We we have to stop doing things as, you know, a trial and error for us to succeed, for us to entice the young people. Because you look at the higher institutions of learning and aquaculture, uh, any aquatic science and what have you, the reception by the young people is not as high. 
but there are those who have tried it and there are those who have tried it well and by seeking the right the right training seeking uh, making sure that they have the right skills and they have actually succeeded so those are the kind of people that we're actually targeting you know the building up entrepreneurs who who will end up having commercially viable businesses and even um being the um ambassadors of the aquaculture sector and and and, and letting other people know that you know what this thing is actually we can do this because this is a space that's untapped and so that is where aquaculture academy comes in because we want this we want to empower this young people you know um be it you know people who are already doing the the farming itself or people who are already in school um in need of attachments of those who've just graduated and just to bring them in and tell them you know and teach them and show them the practical elements of it and tell them this is how you need to do this for it to work for you so it's no longer about how your fathers or your grandfathers did it and they failed no you it's it's more this is a new generation let's do it differently let's apply the right skills okay they've always said agriculture is the backbone of this country uh do you think now that um, agriculture is a devolved function do you think the government the national government and the county government are doing enough to do exactly what you just mentioned I I believe there is a there's a good stride um currently ongoing uh, there's a lot of ways to go about it but but there's there's definitely uh, a good a good a good way forward so you know with the CIDPs uh, and and most of the counties actually including aquaculture within their CIDP that's that's a good step forward but it's not just about having something like aquaculture within your strategic plan it's about effecting it how innovative can you think you know with the available resources within the county with available um stuff within the county how how can you think um innovatively to make sure that this is not just a pen and paper thing but it's more taking it to the ground for it to be successful so there is these good efforts but we still have a long way to go to improve okay we've seen uh, imports from china uh, fish imports from china what do you think china is doing right that we need to learn from them to 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 also grow our our fishing industry having in mind china has a population of more than a billion people yet they are still they can afford to to export fish to us so why is china exporting fish to us it's because we we don't have enough supply and why don't we have enough supply so when you think about um the cost of production as you as as we talked about earlier uh when you think about the fact that most people are not doing this in an economies of scale perspective right Um when you look at the consumption that we are having right now we are consuming less than half the average per capita of the global um consumption it's not because we don't like fish people love fish it's just they're not available and so given the lack of um you know enough supply to meet the demand we have to look for look at china but i i, I believe that there's there's uh, we need some government um i guess interventions for that but also just empowering uh entrepreneurs to think differently to think innovatively and to realize that you need to really invest in upskilling yourself for you to then be able to produce more because if you were to produce more locally we wouldn't need china right so it's more about tapping into the available resources right now and figuring out how do we use available resources how do we upskill people to be able to then think commercially 
to be able to think this is a business and I need this business to work and I need other people to, to realize that this business and this sector can actually grow. Then we will stop thinking about China. Okay. We've talked about how information is power all along um, and what you need to learn before even you start the business itself. Uh, earlier on, you talked about um, an aquaculture academy within Lattice. Mm. Tell us a little bit about this uh, academy. What, uh, where is it? Um, how do I get into it if, I, if I'm listening and I want to be to, to, to join the academy? Mm-hmm. And how long does it take? Okay, so, so the main goal of Aquaculture Academy, which was birthed from Food Tech Africa, which is a program that we've been running from 2012, um, was to, we, we realized that there was the lack of human skill, capital. Um, we, we have done several trainings before. We've done over 1,200 trainings in the past and not structured. This is more people coming to us to train them within our commercial firms. And we have spent like over 7,000 training days um, to actually do those trainings. But then we felt th- this this cannot be a viable model. Uh, we need a standalone academy that will actually provide vocational practical training. And so how we are currently running this is we've partnered with two partner firms. Uh, that's Kamuthanga in Machakos and Juliet in, uh, in, in, in Homa Bay. And uh, the, the expectation is within these two partner firms, we will undertake uh, training, you know, across all the production si- uh, types. So be it pond farming, cage farming, RAS, and uh, pro- uh, undertaking various courses. So courses from breeding, from operational management, to business acumen, to to farm farming farming practices and things like that. So um, if you if, there's there's a lot more information on that on our website uh, www.fotecafrica.com/aquaculture-academy, um, where there's also information on how to reach us, and we'll be able to provide more information on the courses, on the prices, and how how to how to partner with you going forward. Okay, as we wind up, um, what do you think is the future of aquaculture in this country? It's thinking thinking outside the box and not thinking from a silo perspective, thinking from an ecosystem perspective. We need to think about aquaculture um, while looking at just not the farmers, but how how do these farmers, how can we link the farmers to the market? How can we link the farmers to the suppliers? And how can this, how can we even link the farmers to the financial institutions? How can all these players come together to make sure that whatever we're doing is for the good of the sector. So we still have a long way to go, but there's a lot of, 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 of progress that has been made so far. So very hopeful about the development of this sector going forward. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Julie, for sparing time to be part of this podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm sure our listeners will, uh, will learn a lot, and hopefully they will be able to join uh, your academy. Thank you. That is it from AgriTalk Podcast today. Until next time, goodbye. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 